Good day, everybody, and welcome to the newly rebranded Spotlight Mining podcast. I'm your host, Liam Hardy, and today we've got a really special guest to launch the newly rebranded podcast. I'll let him introduce himself. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Hey, good morning, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Liam. Yourself? Yeah, it's really good to finally catch up. So how's Toronto this morning? Bright, sunny, fresh and cool. I'm quite jealous, Rob. We've just got rain here today. So if you could start just by introducing yourself to any of our listeners who might not know your name, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what you do. Certainly. Um, my name is Rob McEwen. I am the founder and former chair, chairman, CEO, and largest individual share owner of Goldcorp. I'm currently the chairman and chief owner of McEwen Mining. I own over 78 million shares, equal to about 24% of the company. Um, my cost base in McEwen Mining is $161 million. Uh, you could say, you could say, yeah, I'm very financially committed mm-hmm. and aligned with my fellow share owners as I take a dollar a year in salary. And, and by my own election, I receive no bonus or options. Um, so I'll make money exactly the same way as my fellow share owners do, and that is with a higher share price. And you're fully committed to making money through the share price. That's a, it's a good start. Yes. Yeah. So you've had some great successes uh, throughout 2017 and 2018. Could you uh, tell us about some of these? Please do. Um, we increased our production and geographically diversified our production base. Our successes are, one, in August of 2017, we released a preliminary economic assessment or business case for our large Argentinian copper project, Las Azulas. Mm-hmm. The study projected a big mine with high profit margins, long life, and a short payback. Um, this project has a large capex, so we're looking for a partner with operating experience and capital to bring this project into production and carry us forward mm-hmm. with this project. Um, two, in November of 2017, we received approval to begin construction on our gold bar mine in Nevada. Uh, construction has been proceeding as planned, and the mine is expected to come into production very soon in the first quarter of next year. Mm-hmm. Three, in October, of last year, we purchased the Black Fox Complex from Primero Gold. It happens to be located in one of the world's most prolific gold districts, Timmins, Canada. Mm-hmm. And during this year, we've put a lot of emphasis on exploration. We had a $15 million exploration program, and it met with a lot of encouraging results. Um, we just raised uh, a further $15 million to fund our exploration program there next year. Mm. Um, and we're working to extend the mine life, which um, on the property is short, and lower the operating costs. Now the, the fourth success is our Phoenix project in Mexico, which is awaiting approval. Um, we're, we're looking to amend the construction permit to allow us to use in-pit tailings facility rather than building up brand new standalone tailings. Mm. It's, it's quite an elegant solution because we, we have a gold mine that stopped producing in May of this year. It's five miles away and it was an open pit. So yeah. we just said, well, why don't we put our tailings 
and fill the open pit, <laughs> and it would reduce our capital costs, it would reduce our use of water, and it would reduce our rehabilitation costs and put the land back to the way it was um, much faster. Um, it would be a, a low capex, long life, 12-year mine um, with average costs, producing principally silver. Um, we wouldn't, so we would expect that look at starting it sometime in the next year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. So um, going back to Timmins, if you don't mind, I saw you'd raised about $15 million for that. What kind of exploration are you hoping to, to do that? How, what, what techniques are you using to expand that? We've used a number of techniques. The, the property we bought seemed to be unexplored, despite the fact it's in a very promising area. So um, we, we were drilling not only in the mine, but all across the property. And so we, the deepest hole that ever drilled in the mine was last summer. It was 55 grams over just over a meter, a little bit higher up into the west where there hadn't been much exploration. We over 300 grams in just under a meter, mm. a little bit lower into the east. We encountered 44 grams over seven meters. So those were encouraging results in the mine and justified drilling more there. But we stepped out of the mine area and drilled across the property and developed a number of very promising targets. There were some splashy grades. We were up over 600 grams in one grade at the south end of the property mm -hmm. in an area that was about 200 meters from any known resource. So we wanted to follow up on that. Um, there were some other areas that had low grade but long intersections that would be amenable to open pit mining. Mm. And then this property package we purchased in October 2017, which we call the Black Fox Complex, it not only came with gold production and a little over a, mil a million and a quarter ounces and measured and indicated, but it came with $190 million of $180 million of tax loss carry forwards, which means assuming this mine is going to be profitable in the future, mm. that profit is sheltered to the tune of $180 million. So um, that's quite exciting and that's one of the reasons the type of financing we just completed was a flow-through financing, which mm. is a tax-driven product that allows you to get a premium over market mm. for your shares. We received 27% over the market price of our shares on this financing. The downside is that there's a whole period of about six months for the investors and they end up with a zero cost base. So there is often shares that come into the market after that whole period expires. Mm. Um, but the property package came with two property packages. The other one is our mill and it would be located about 30 kilometers away. So they truck the ore from Black Fox and take it to what we call stock, uh, where the mill is, and they process it. This area had a mine on it that last operated about 20 years ago, and there had been no exploration on the property in the intervening period. Yeah. We started drilling there early in the summer and had a lot of success, um, and we'll have a resource update on that coming out. We put one out in September, so we went from nothing to 114 thousand ounces. We'll have another one out um, before year-end, which will expand on that. So with the encouragement we're getting, some of the high grades, some of these new areas, we thought uh, we want to hit exploration hard next year. And I, I've always been a big fan of exploration. And when I was building Gold Corp, 
it was exploration at a Red Lake mine that really drove the company's share performance. Yeah, increasing resources and, and building the geology up. You often find a lot more than you expect as well. Yes. So I suppose that leads into our next question, which is uh, McEwen have a huge roster of projects in, the, in America, in Canada, Central and Latin America. What's your favorite jurisdiction to go mining in right now and why? <laughs> That's a difficult question. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a favorite because I'm excited about all our operations, mm. but I will say that the easiest place to do business right now is in Nevada, in the U.S. Yeah. The permitting process has been improved, and the country is creating an environment where business investment is being welcomed and encouraged. Unfortunately, this behavior by governments and their agencies isn't happening in other jurisdictions where we operate, such as Argentina, Mexico, even Canada. Yeah. So, is there a favorite? Um, no, I'd say having more exposure in, in America would be better. Yeah, so I think I read recently that Nevada, if you took it as a country alone, would be the world's fifth biggest gold producer. Is that a... Yes, it, it, it's a, a very important gold producing area in the world. And where our mine is, we're 25 miles south of Barrick's largest gold mine mm -hmm. and uh, some of their biggest recent discoveries. Yeah. So we're on the same trend in the same rocks. Uh, we've focused mainly on what we could mine uh, surface mining for oxide ores. Mm -hmm. uh, we have hired some geologists from they w that worked with Barrick and Newmont, big players in Nevada, and they are suggesting that we should be drilling deeper and looking for the sulfide ores. Um, we have some good examples closer to surface, but they feel there's a good chance it might what Barrick has encountered might exist deeper on our property. So in 2019, part of our exploration program is to do some deep drilling at our uh, gold bar property. Yeah, I mean, surface gossands have to come from somewhere, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it's a high enough grade and not just super old in terms of weathering. So a lot of people have struggled to get projects off the ground recently, uh, including some in Nevada. What do you think has set your projects apart from others? I'd say timing is a big factor when you build during the market cycle. Uh, many of, uh, of the mining industry's huge cost and budget overruns happened to projects that were started in the second half of the last bull market. Hmm. Um, at that time, capital was plentiful, but management experience with the largest projects was in short supply, the labor market was tight, and the necessary capital goods were backward. As a result, uh, time, time and cost ballooned enormously. This was compounded by changing government policies mm -hmm. that placed additional burdens on the industry. Um, we we um, are fortunate to be to have started the construction of Gold Bar early in this gold bull cycle, and I believe we're in a bull cycle that started in the beginning of 2016. Mm. And at the time. Um, the skilled trades and capital goods were more available. Um, although uh, we're seeing a tightening of the market in Nevada, and we really have to push our contractors to adhere to our timetable. And going forward, I think that will only get aggravated for a lot of a lot of companies that have projects they want to build. And do you think that's because of higher that higher amount of competition? Or? Um, we, we went through a long period from the end of 2011 till now when the capital markets were largely closed to the mining industry. I mean, there were a few periods, one in the end of 15 and another in 
contempt in 17. But generally, stocks have drifted lower. Investors have gone and looked for other places to put their money. Mm. And the suppliers to the industry, they'd expanded just like the industry had mm -hmm. and then found themselves with all sorts of contractors with more people than jobs. Um, and the suppliers to the industry had capital goods. And they said, look, we're not going to use our working capital to finance the industry and they stopped holding inventories of goods and now as the market's coming back there's a shortage the shelves are a little empty mm. um, and people are starting to say hey look I want it now <laughs> I want to build and that's creating pressure and I think it'll only increase yeah. so um, so estimate time and maybe budget are going to be they should have a, a larger contingency in them to um, reflect the possibility of higher costs. Yeah. So how do groups like Goldcorp and McEwen pick from these juniors, especially with the, the increase in, in competition and, and lessening of availability? Um, you want to secure your contract early. Mm -hmm. You probably want to buy a lot of your goods um, at the beginning of your project. When we built um, the Red Lake Mine at Goldcorp, or rebuilt it, we were doing it in 1999-2000. Again, it was at the bottom of a, a market cycle. Mm. So I, I suppose you might want to say the time to be buying companies at the bottom of the cycle, it's also the time for companies to be building. Mm -hmm. But that's really hard when <laughs> sometimes the capital markets won't accommodate you. Yeah. You just have to have your eye on the horizon and saying, where are we in this cycle? And should we be going out and building now or should we wait? Yeah. And that's a type of discipline um, that's hard to adhere to when the market's running fast and demanding growth. Do you think that's commo commodity specific? Is that just with gold or should all, all juniors be looking at the same model? I'd say it's specific to commodities. We're, we're, if investors don't recognize we're in a cyclical business, um, they should go back to the books and look <laughs> at history. Yeah. So this week, gold, uh, the gold price has come up marginally. Uh, should we be banking on that rise, or should we still play our cards close to our hands in terms of gold investment? Oh, I'd say uh, I'd, be, I'd bank on gold rising. Mm. Um, might be surprising to hear, but during the last 22 months, everybody's been focused on the broad market, mm -hmm. where there have been remarkable gains posted. I mean, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it's up over 40%. Mm -hmm. The S&P 500 is up over 30 and you look at European markets, um, Asian markets, they've all performed very well um, and investors really haven't looked at gold but during the same period the price performance of numerous gold stocks has been strong mm -hmm. and if you look at two of the bigger indices out there, the GDX and the GDXJ, they're keeping their share performances keeping pace with the Dow. Yeah. Um, the GDXJ was up 43% or the GDX and the GDXJ was up 41. So um, we're in a bull market that started in January of 2016. We're about a third of the way through and in the bull markets of the past, of, of which there have been six over the last 77 years, mm -hmm. the average gain was 540%. And right now we're at about the 150% mark. So from here, I see it triple. There's a way and if to you're go. Buying, buying juniors, you'll probably have a much bigger run if you have the right juniors.
Yeah. So moving away from gold and the markets a bit, let's uh, talk about yourself personally, if you don't mind, Rob. Uh, you were invited into the Mining Hall of Fame in Canada last year, as well as receiving a basket full of awards for your work. Uh, was this part of your plan in 1990 when you moved into mining? Absolutely not. When I jumped into the mining industry, out of the investment industry, my goal was to see if I could get into the jet stream, what I describe the jet stream of industry, and achieve financial independence. Mm -hmm. um, I knew the odds were low, but it's an industry where it's possible. When you win, you can win big. Uh, I didn't think about what might come with winning. I've been very honored and I'm very proud of the contribution mining contributes to the comfort and safety of everyone's lives. Mm -hmm. And people know you mostly feel successes in industry, but you've also done a remarkable amount of work uh, raising money for charitable causes and education as well. Uh, what are your ultimate goals in terms of education and charity? Mm. Well, my, my wife and I look at needs we perceive that aren't being met by conventional wisdom. There are problems out there, and we seek novel ways to address those needs. Mm -hmm. In education, we seek to provide the encouragement and skills to build the confidence of individuals to become strong leaders in all fields. In uh, the field of medicine, uh, we support regenerative and stem cell research. Mm. We believe this area of research has enormous potential to profoundly change and improve the delivery of healthcare and the lives of millions of people. Just uh, last night, there was a celebration. We had the McEwen Center for Regenerative Medicine that we established back in 2006. Yeah. And it was just going through a transition. It's becoming an institute and gives us a lot more freedom in terms of hiring, in terms of uh, commercialization products. And this area, two years ago, we, we were very pleased to see that um, Bayer AG of Germany and an American fund called Versen mm -hmm. came together and put, put up $225 million, uh, committed it to funding research in regenerative medicine. Uh, and they went around the world looking for research facilities where uh, there was work they wanted to support. And the first place they came to was our lab in Toronto yeah. and are supporting uh, work on uh, basically stem cells our scientists have developed are being injected into hearts that have experienced a heart attack. Mm. And when a heart's experienced, had a heart attack, there's scar tissue formed, and that makes the heart a less efficient pump. Mm. So they're injecting stem cells they've created into this scar tissue, and they're growing muscle tissue where the scar tissue was. The impact, and they're looking to do human trials within three years. Mm. Um, they've already done small primates, and they're working with pigs right now, pig hearts. Mm. which are about the size of ours, yeah. but conceivably could do away with um, heart transplants, artificial hearts, and pacemakers. So it would have a very, very big market yeah. and save many lives. So and uh, uh, you find Canada a supportive place for this kind of research? I know there's, uh, there's some opposition to it in Europe, but um, obviously Canada has a slightly more developed healthcare system than, uh, than many other countries. Um, there's quite a concentration of um, medical research within the uh, within what's called University Avenue in Toronto. It's one of the largest research centers in the world. Mm. So it's an exciting place to be for uh, these researchers. The whole thing is, can we, I guess my wife and I look at it and just say, uh, can we contribute in some way to finding a cure? And 
we do it through sort of our tagline is collaborate, create, and cure. Yeah. So we're just seeing if we can help be part of the process. Yeah. So on the theme of research as well, um, I personally believe there's a bit of a communication gap in mining. Uh, between investors, geologists, academics, uh, and the wider public. Um, I think a lot of people are going in different directions. How do you think we could tackle this as the mining community to ensure better stakeholder engagement all around? You're right, and, and much of this is due to the fact that the industry speaks a different and little-known language. Hmm. And most of the world, developed world believes that mining is either unnecessary today or undesirable, hmm. or that mining no longer takes place. Um, in addition, since 2012, the share price performance of the industry has been terrible. So very few people have any reason to invest in mining companies. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, I believe that the tide is turning and we're going to see more people paying closer attention to our industry. And that will address some of the issues of communication that you're talking about. Mm. I believe once people begin to see you can make profits once again in this space, they're going to be paying closer attention and that communication will not be as much of an issue. If you were to look at up until relatively recently, a good exploration story wouldn't get any reaction in the market. Someone puts out good drill results and, well, you might get a reaction. It might be the price would stay flat or even go down. <laughs> but in the last three months, I've seen some really impressive gains. Four companies I use in a presentation, they delivered gains anywhere from 10 to 500% just in the last three months. And the gold market and mining market really started recovering first in Australia about a year ago, hmm. um, but hadn't moved across the ocean to the Americas or to Europe. But there's money being made, there's consolidation taking place, takeovers occurring. Um, once the broad press starts commenting on the gains, it will have a similar effect as happened in the cryptocurrencies and in the cannabis stocks. So to round things off, Rob, could you give us a rough forecast for the industry in five and then maybe ten years' time? Are there any particular regions or resources you think will perform best? Um, in the next five, ten years, I expect we're going to see higher metal prices, uh, significantly higher metal prices. I think the new leaders of, say, the precious metal industry will not be from the current senior producer ranks. They'll be surpassed by some fast-moving intermediates and juniors in terms of price performance. Mm -hmm. um, in the next five years, I think we'll still be in a bull market. In the next 10 years, we could be coming to the end of another commodity cycle mm -hmm. um, and entering a downturn. I see the industry using more and more automation. You'll hear more about big data analytics and new technologies that will alter the way we look at mining. And there'll be a time 10 years out that companies should be building cash and reducing their debt and improving their profit margins because I think we'll find ourselves once again back into where we've been in the last couple of years. In terms of automation you mentioned there, obviously the world's first automated mine should be coming online in Q1 next year. Do you think that's going to take off really quickly across the industry? It'll bump into some resistance because a lot of places, because it'll frustrate the needs of many of the countries where uh, the mines are being built. A lot of countries are looking for more employment and automation is not going to give them more employment. Mm. Um, and, and that's the dynamic. But you, if you've ever been in a car factory and watched a robot at work, it, it's quite something to reflect on it when you see a machine doing a task the same way 
without error, and it doesn't take a break. It goes 24-7. It recalibrates itself to correct if there's any slight deviation. Um, so you're going to see more and more robots appearing in different forms in the mining industry. I, I think that RTZ has really pushed it. But autom automated trucks are appearing in a, in a number of places. Yeah. So, yes, I see a lot more of that happening. And I also wonder, I mean, will this world, is there a disruptive event out there similar to what happened to the taxi industry with Uber hmm. or WeWork with Office Space? Will someone come up with a way to produce the periodic table or some of the metals in the periodic table in a factory hmm. with nanotechnologies? So three D printing resources, or so. mm -hmm. yeah. But right now, you you look at it. A lot of people don't think we should have mining, but there's not enough metal. There is metal sitting on the surface that's scrap heaps and that, mm. and it can be recycled. But there's not enough metal to satisfy the needs of the world's growing population. So mining is here, and if we can do mining much more responsibly, at least in the eyes of the public, um, we'll gain greater acceptance. Exactly. Recycling can't uh, can't meet an expanding demand. Yes. So, Rob, thank you very, very much for joining our podcast today. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Um, I hope you have a really nice rest of the day in Toronto. Thank you, Liam, and the same to you. Thanks for your time, Rob. Cheers. Goodbye. So, thank you very much to Rob McEwen for joining us from Toronto. If you liked what you heard, you can follow our podcasts from the past at soundcloud.com slash spotlightmining. You can also check out our Twitter channel at spotlightmining or drop us an email anytime from www.spotlightmining.com. I've been your host, Liam Hardy, and I hope we speak again. Have a great day. Cheers. Four.